Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I'm Linda Townsend, and I serve on the hospitality team. And this morning, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 25, 14 through 18. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and trusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, dependent on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey. Immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. This is the word of God. Thank you, Linda. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask now that you lead us and continue to lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so help us just to hear from you well during this time as we worship as your people to focus on you. We thank you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, you may have a seat. This is the last week of our short three-week series, Give It Away. And so if you remember, because I know you do, the first week was giving away our time and what that looks like, the time God's given us. Last week was talents, those abilities and spiritual gifts that God has given us. Today we're talking about treasure, your treasure. And the question we're asking is really, are you ready for the return of Jesus? That's strange, right? We're talking about treasure and are you ready for the return of Jesus? And some of us are like, yes, come Lord Jesus, right? Get so tired of just things and Jesus, come now. But I wonder if we really are ready for what we're asking for. And this is the disciples in Matthew 24. We're asking this question because they were tired of just all that was going on in their culture, the Roman oppression and just things were, and they were looking forward to the kingdom because they knew God would promise his kingdom that would be established and they were looking forward to that and they're wondering when Will this happen? And so they asked Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 3, they said, what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age? This is what they asked Jesus. What's the sign of your coming and the end of the age? In case you don't know, this is a kingdom question. In other words, they're asking, when will you, king, fully and finally establish your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? That's what they're asking. They're ready for this. And Jesus gives a, a two-part answer, which he usually does. He answers kind of directly, indirectly, a couple parts, and he'll tell some stories. And, and so that's what he does here. He answers about readiness. He says, now concerning, in Matthew 24, now concerning that day and hour, no one knows except the Father alone. He goes on to say, this is why you are also to be ready. Because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so he's, they said, when are you going to come back and fully and finally establish your kingdom? He says, no one knows, but be ready. But he says there's a responsibility in your readiness. There's responsibilities that you have while we wait. He goes on to say in Matthew 24, he says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. 
And so he's already going, like, you need to be ready, but you have responsibilities and the waiting. And so you, we have a job to do. In typical Jesus fashion, he goes on to teach the same ready and responsibilities in the waiting with stories, parables, parables that teach, right? Or stories that teach, they're called parables. And that's what Jesus taught through regularly is using stories, and this was a main teaching style of that day of the power of stories. And we know that still, stories teach, and that's what we remember a lot is stories that are told. And this is what he does here in Matthew 25, and this is all leading up to where we are today. But Matthew 25, starting in verse 1, he gives a parable about readiness. And then in Matthew 25, verse 14 and following what we see here today, there's a parable about responsibilities. Responsibilities while we wait. Again, the question is, Jesus, when will you return? He says, be ready, and while you're ready, you have responsibilities. This is a reminder of what this whole sermon series is about and the aim of his teaching here is God has given you time, talents, and treasures in this life to advance his agenda. That's incredibly important. God's given you time, talents, and treasures in this life right now to advance his agenda. And so the question that we're going to be asking is this. What on earth are you doing? That's what we're asking. What on earth are you doing? And you can hear whatever tone you want to in that. Right? It could be, what on earth are you doing? Or what on earth are you doing, depending on what you're doing. And this is what he's going to here is, what on earth are we doing? And it leads us to verse 14 where we started this, this morning. He says, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. And this is a huge reason because if you just take this and start here, you have no idea what's being talked about. What's going on? What is it? Who's the man? Where's he going? That's what you'd ask if you just did the, what many people do is, God, what would you have me read today in the Bible? This, right? Have you, I'm just going to flip open the page and by God's lead, I'm going to land on Matthew 25, verse 14. Why am I saying that? I, it is best. God can use that. Praise God. He's amazing. But it is best to read through entire sections in their context. So you know what is going on. Read the entire chapter. Read the entire book. Read the entire Bible. So you see the fullness of God and what's being relayed here. And so here, it is the kingdom of God. How do I know that? That's a great question. Go back to verse 1. When he, reads, when he starts the whole parable. The first parable of readiness, he says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven is, will be like. So he tells the parable, then he goes to parable number two. It is just like a man. The man is Jesus, because that's the whole question he's answering. The disciples are asking, when will you return? So he's telling the parable. The man is Jesus and the journey. Where's he going? I want to go, right? Where, where are you going? What's the ascension to his returning that's the journey that's being spoke about. In Acts chapter 1, he's, Jesus is after his resurrection, spends 40 days with his disciples teaching about the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that interesting? That's what he talked about for 40 days, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And then he jets off, right, in front of them. And they're standing there, disciples, can you imagine this, looking, and I think they'd still be looking, their skeletons in that place today, if these two men in white didn't show up to talk to them. 
In verse 11, they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. So the journey that he goes on is the waiting period that we're now in, in between the ascension and his returning. So he goes on to say in this parable in verse 14, for it is like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. That's, that's incredibly important. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on the journey. This is interesting that his, this master gives the servant's responsibility over his possessions. That's incredibly important. The master gives responsibility to the servants for his possessions. And these talents here are a, a currency, more specifically money. So over his money, money to manage and multiply for the master's means. And don't miss this, and it's so easy to overlook, that he gave according to each one's ability. Isn't that interesting? Meaning, God knows you so intimately that he gives according to what your abilities are. Not more than you can manage, not less than. And it's interesting that Jesus here is answering this kingdom question from his disciples with a message about money. And if you haven't been to church for a while and this first time back to church, one, welcome. And two, you're like, I knew it. They're talking about money. All they want is money. Well, you're about to give your money away to someone all December, so might as well be the church. Listen, Jesus talked about money a lot. Jesus talked about money a lot, material possessions a lot. It's kind of a kingdom mentality but yet a kingdom economy. And so why? Why do you think Jesus talked about money so much? If you look at a lot of his teachings, they're about money and possessions. Well, it's because money can easily become our master. Wealth can subtly become what we worship. Now, you won't say that, but our lives do. Jesus says in the best sermon ever shared, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, he says, no one can serve two masters. Since either hate one or love the other, he'd be devoted one and, and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if we're honest, we love our luxuries. If we're honest, we crave comfort. And money is a good avenue to fill both of those things, our luxuries and our comfort. I was thinking about recently, I guess it was late last year, the boys and I were going to a BMX race down in uh, south of here. Got a hotel, so my, my travel agent, my wife, she, uh, she has a spiritual gift on saving money. It's her, it's her gifting. It's not in the Bible, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's a gifting of hers. And so she booked a hotel, inexpensive hotel in a not great area. That should have been indicator number one, right? And so we pull up to this hotel, and as we pull up, I'm like, well, I don't think we're guaranteed a great night's sleep, but we may be guaranteed bed bugs. So there's that. Come away with something, right? And so as we enter this hotel, I'm like, man, my goodness, okay. So we suck it up. We're, we're only passing through, right? We're only, we're only sleeping there for a couple hours to get up and go about our business. So, but I'm thinking through, I had the money to make that room better. I could have bought a bed. I could have repainted the thing, right? Could have put up a 
flat screen TV. I had the money to do all that. But I didn't. You know why? Because I'd have been dumb, right? Like, who does that? Why? Because I was only there temporarily. Yeah, isn't that what we do in this life? Because we don't feel so temporary here, yet it is. Yet we put all of our focus and our finances and our time, talents, and treasures into the temporary. Jesus, in math, or Luke 12, has another parable. But it hits on this exact mentality of the treasures and the temporary. He says, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? Isn't that a good problem? I got so many things. I don't even where to store them. He says, I'll do this. He said, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and goods there. Then I'll say to myself, if you're start talking to yourself, maybe that might be an indicator. I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat. Drink. Enjoy yourself. Also known as the American dream, right? But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will demand it of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So I was wondering, what treasures do you have? What things you possess that you really enjoy? Just recently, as in just a couple days ago, my family bought me an early Christmas present. I bought me an early Christmas present, but it's from my family, so what happened? There's no secret we're into BMX racing, BMX bike racing, and so we bought, I bought, a 1993 GT BMX bike in amazing condition. The thing's 30 years old. Why 93? Because that was the bike that I dreamed of when I was in 1993 at 13 years old, and I couldn't have. Now I can. But it's amazing. And so we got this bike, and I'm thinking, of all the possessions I have, this is up there. I really enjoy this. As much as I enjoy it, the fact is, one day, all these goods that I gain will one day either be in a garbage pile or a garage sale. That's what's going to happen. And that's for everyone. One day, this stuff all burns up. So I'm asking, are you using whatever riches God has given you to be rich towards God? That's what's being asked here. Again, going back to verse 15 here. He gave the five talents, two talents, one talent, depending on each one's ability. It says, he went on a journey. It says, immediately the man, the man who had five talents went to put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two talents earned two more. Notice, and don't miss this, the servants realized that there was their responsibility to manage the master's money and to multiply it. They just didn't protect it. At least the two didn't. It says, they immediately went to work, investing reproducing, multiplying, for the master's benefit. Do you guys see that? It's for the master's benefit. And there's this big idea you see here, but throughout all of Scripture, that God has invited us as his people into a partnership with him to invest in the lives of others for kingdom causes. Now think about that. The God of the universe invited us into a partnership to live on purpose for him in this life. 
That's an amazing truth. You want purpose in your life? God's called you in a partnership with him. That's a pretty good purpose. And just so it's noted, this sermon is so much more than just giving money to the poor. So much more. I mean, that, it's, I'm not saying don't do that. But so many times we just do that because we feel good about ourselves. I feel good. I did something good. Well, if that's why you're giving, your motives are completely flawed. One, we give because we love the Lord. And because we love the Lord, we then love others. And because we love others, we invest into seeing others, not only needs met, but come to know the need maker, the need meter. I'm not sure that flowed as well as it came out in my head. God, okay? <laughs> So let me ask you this. If Jesus, the master, returned right now, would he be pleased with how you managed and multiplied his money? And this is for everyone. This is, if you're not a Christian, this is still true. Would he be pleased with how you produced from his possessions? Would he be pleased with how you treated his treasure? Because he will return. That's the point, again, of this parable that he's saying. Verse 19, he says, After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. In verse 20, he says, The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents, and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more. In verse 22, he says, The man, the man who had talents, two talents approached and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more. And the amazing thing, he says, the master says the same response to both servants. The one who had five more and two more, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And he says, share in your master's joy. Imagine that. This master invites him to now share with the master. The master was pleased with these two servants because of their faithfulness. They both, one produced five, one produced two, the same response. Their faithfulness over their fruitfulness. Faithfulness over their fruitfulness. We get so caught up in what can I do for God? I want to just do amazing things and praise God. Hopefully you do for his glory. But be faithful. Be faithful and see what God will do with your faithfulness. So let me ask, since we're talking about money, are you being faithful with the Lord's finances? Is this something you have to really start thinking through? Are we being faithful with the Lord's finances? How are you treating the treasure that the king has entrusted to you? Jesus, again, going back to Sermon on the Mount in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6, he says, don't store up for your treasures on earth for yourselves where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break into steel, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth and rust destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God isn't anti-money. 
Jesus isn't anti-money. He's anti-you worshiping your money. We make money a bad thing. But this question is, how do I store up treasures in heaven? Let me give you some examples. Let me give, go from the local church example to some examples that we as individual Christians can be storing up treasures in heaven. So local church here, this church specifically, we give all that's given, we give 10% of that away for the sake of missions and ministries in both domestically and internationally. 10% goes away. Because we're investing in kingdom causes to see people come to Jesus, eternity is at stake. Another way is we're partnering financially, we're giving money to three other new churches to help them get established. You guys should know this if you've been around here for any amount of time. We partner with the Way of Grace Baptist Church in Puerto Rico. We go, we give, and we pray. We've also been partnering with Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And starting in 2024, we're starting a new partnership with Pillar Church down in Norfolk, Virginia. And what's amazing that all these churches also have a multiplication mindset, multiplying God's treasures and to see more churches made. So we're investing in those. We're starting a new ministry, this family advocacy ministry. Some of you have heard about it. How are we caring well for those children that are without families? You're looking for adoption or stuck in foster care. How are we helping families? And you know, we've, we do these festivals, a fall festival every year. And we put a lot of money into that. But if you've been a part of those, they're a lot of fun. We're showing the community that really there's a church that loves them here. But we also take the opportunity to share the hope with Jesus for the several thousand that are there. How are we being generous? As a local church, some ways. Some ways. But how about you? What are some ways that you can be generous? And some of you have thought through this, well, maybe some others need some help. So let me give you some help. Number one, here it is. Give to the church. Were you expecting that? Of course you were, right? That's why you come. Give to your, give your church. That's what we think, like, oh, the church wants my money. No, God wants your money. It's his money. And the way we do that, a way, is through the local church. That is biblical. It just is. And I'm unapologetic with saying that because that's God's plan. And here it is. I mean, this is important because we are a church for anyone. But we're not a church for everyone. You guys see the difference? We're a church for anyone. But we realize we're not a church for everyone. But if you're in the everyone category, you need to find a church that God has for you and invest your life there. And usually the question I get is, how much are we supposed to give to the church? You can start at the 10%. That's a great biblical percentage that you see throughout the Bible. But what actually what the New Testament shows is generosity. So what's generous to you? Generosity. So giving the local church each year, throughout the year, we have opportunities for us as individuals to give. In April, we give to what we call the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. That goes to North American church planting. In October, we give to Vision Virginia. That goes to the missions and ministries throughout the state of Virginia. 
And now in December, every year, we give to what's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And 100% of what's given there goes to support our international missionaries all throughout the world, over 3,000. So starting today, that's open throughout December to give to support our missionaries. Over 3,000 depend on that support. So here's a few ways that we can invest in kingdom causes. But don't miss this, that faithful living leads to generous giving. Just does. Faithful living leads to generous giving. You, what we see throughout Scripture over and over again is you be faithful and see God be fruitful. Do you understand what I mean by fruitful? It's kind of a churchy word, but God produces. You trust Him and see God produce. And so what we see over and over. Let me touch on a couple quick passages. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Almost like God's word speak for itself. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruit of your entire har- harvest, then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Malachi 3.10, bring the tenth, the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open up floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. And then 2 Corinthians 9.7-8 says, each person should do as he decided in his own heart, not reluctantly out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And it says this, and God, that's a good part, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, that's a lot of ways, always, that's a lot of time, having everything, a lot of things you need, you may excel in every good work. Work. And you see these servants taking their master's money and putting it to work. But then in every crowd, there's always one, right? You have a friend group, there's always one. There was a third servant. And Jesus teaches here the contrast of faithfulness and faithlessness. Verse 18, it says, But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. This servant wasted his time, his talents, literally here, talent, and treasure that was given him. Wasted. And my fear is so many of us are doing the same thing. Not doing the same thing, not taking Jesus seriously with his expectation for our generosity. Wasting our wealth on a temporary with no view on eternity. Man, I've been guilty for so many years. And that's what this whole sermon series is about. It's like, I'm tired of just going with the flow. And I pray that God generates the desire of being tired of going with the flow. What has God given you? Your time, talents, and treasures, what are we doing with them? The Red Hot Chili Peppers... Say, greedy little people in their sea of distress, keep your more to receive your less. If that's not churchy enough for you, James 5 5, right? Might as well go back to God's word. Says the same thing. You have lived luxuriously on earth and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Wasted. Time, talents, treasures, wasted. 
Let that not be said of us. Like the master in the parable, Jesus too will return and ask, what on earth are you doing? That's what's going to be asked. What on earth are you doing? And we'll finish up Matthew 25 here, verse 24 and 25. It says, the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you, which is interesting. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. And this is interesting to me, and it scares me for a lot of people in churches around the world today, is this master says, I know you. And you know what? He didn't know him. He didn't know him. He knew of him. Because if you know him, your knowing him leads to a faithfulness. If you know the Lord and what he's truly done for you transforms everything. God, the good father. I mean, we sung about he has paid our ransom. God was first generous towards us. He gave his one and only son because of his love for us. Because of his love for us, he died while we were still dead in our sins and trespasses so that we can live and have eternal life with him. The sacrifice that he gave to pay our ransom, the debt that was owed. This is the goodness of God, and this is what propels everything that we say. We can go away from here and say, man, I need to do these things, these things, and these things. That should not be the motivator. It's because we love the Lord. He loved us first so that we, in turn, can love him back. He is love-worthy. And how amazing he is. And that's why I feel like I feel every Sunday I stand up here and plead with our church to trust in the Lord, come to the Lord, know the Lord, put your faith in the Lord, live for the Lord, because he is faithful. And the only time you start seeing that is if you actually start seeking him. So all this about giving your stuff away means no sense unless you love the Lord first. I mean, we can come out here and feel like a good guilt trip. That might work for a couple hours. You might... Tip your waitress a few more bucks after lunch today. What are we doing? Man, I just plead with you to fall more in love with Jesus. He bore the sin on the cross for us, our sin debt. So that anyone who comes to him and trusts in him alone has eternal life. He died. He rose from the dead, conquering sin to death, showing God's stamp of approval on what he did so that everyone who comes to him has eternal life. And that life starts at the moment you believe and lasts forever, secure in him because you're a child of God. I don't know what your parent situation was like, but know that you have a good father. Through your faith in Jesus, he's trustworthy. So this guy, this servant, I'm convinced, did not know his master. And what we see here is when God opens your heart to him, he will also open your hands to him. And this is, this is a sobering part. I'm going to start wrapping things up with this, but you have to hear this because you have this contrast that Jesus is teaching here and the severity of the responsibility that God's given us here on earth. You have these two servants who live faithful, and their faithfulness bred a generosity in their life of living with intentionality. In verse 26, it says, The master replied to him, his master replied to him, You evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you would have deposited my money with the bankers. And 
then I would have received money back with interest when I returned. So take that talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, will, more will be given, and the, for he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And he says this, now throw this good-for-nothing servant into outer darkness, where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a sobering reality. And I want us to see clearly there's a link between faith and works in that order. James 2, 26 says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Only by the spirit we become alive in Christ. And only when you're alive in Christ can you start living in the way that's pleasing to Jesus, for Jesus, out of the joy of your own heart. It's not burdensome. Also, think about this for a minute. God has given all of us a dash. A dash. The dash is the date between when you were born and when you'll be buried. We have this dash. So what have you done? What are you doing? And what will you do with your dash? That's what we're asking here. Are you living to pursue more of Jesus? Are you living to pursue more junk? To put it bluntly, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. C.T. Studd, and I'm going to end with this. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And in a minute, we're going to sing another song. We're going to worship and invite us to just respond to what the Lord's doing in, in our lives. And that could look various ways, just sitting and praying, singing and worshiping. We'll have a prayer team to decide. But, man, I just wish, I pray the Holy Spirit just pours out the Spirit on this place and let's just respond, just unashamed to what he's doing. C.T. Studd, and I, he wrote this, and it's really, really a prayer of various sorts. But as I close with reading this, statement and then this quote from C.T. Studd. I want this to be just a prayer. Let's just echo our prayers because if we pray this, it will transform everything that we do. And C.T. Studd, he, his dash was between 1860 and 1931. That's what his dash was. And during his dash, he served many years as a missionary to China. And if I was ever to change my name, I think it would be C.T. Studd. Pretty cool name. Let's close with this. He writes, Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. What's only done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeing hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, this still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or his will. Only one life, which will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ 
will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life. Till soon we pass, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. Enjoy our sorrow, thy word to keep faithful and true, wherever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life. Till soon, soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thee throne, on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last, only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done, and when at last I'll hear the call and I know I'll say, "Twas worth it all. Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Father, we just come to you. Just so thankful for you. Thankful for what you have done in our lives. Thankful for Jesus, who has given us new life, new hope new joy. Father, help us just to remember the goodness of your grace and your generosity to us, Father. We thank you for all that you've given us, all that you've entrusted us with, all our possessions, our finances, our time, talents, treasures. We just thank you for giving us what you have, and we're asking for help to steward those things well. We're asking for help to multiply those for your glory, for your purposes, we're asking for help and strength over the battle of temptation of the cravings we have for luxuries and comforts, but we need more of you. So, Lord, we just pray that you create a desire for more of you. Help us to live faithfully each day, just starting today. Help us to live faithfully in a way that's pleasing to you. Generate a heart in us that just desires to be pleasing to you in all areas of our life, Father. And help that come from just a love for you. We know that we're pleasing in your sight because of what Jesus did. Our identity is rooted in Jesus. But let that love for you just overflow in a life lived for you. Show us areas in our lives where you're leading us just to be open-handed with everything you've given us, including every aspect of our lives. Help us to trust in you more than ourselves. Trust in your will more than our plans. Because we have this day. And we know whatever we do in this way, for your name and for your glory, those things last. So we ask for your leading, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time. And we thank you for Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.